We began looking last week at a Christmas revolution because Christmas itself started a revolution. History separated by dates according to the birth of Jesus Christ. And it should still be creating revolutions in our own heart, our own homes, our communities, and our world. But it's a conscious choice we have to make. And every revolution starts, as we looked last week, with hope. And if anybody should have hope, it's those who follow Christ. If anybody should have hope at Christmas, it's those who understand that Jesus is the reason for this season. It is not just for the gifts. It is not just for the gatherings. It is not just for the decorations and the lights and the parades and the food. Though I enjoy all of those. But that's not the purpose. The reason is Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us hope. And as we begin this morning then to continue to look at this, we look at the next factor that we want to examine, and that is peace. Because a revolution always begins with hope. But when hope is fulfilled, it produces peace. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn with me. I'm going to be reading from the prophet Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. From the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 8, verse, or excuse me, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And then one verse from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. The prophet Isaiah in foretelling what was coming with the birth of Christ said in verse 6 of chapter 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In Luke chapter 2, the telling of the birth after Christ was born in Bethlehem. Beginning at verse 8 of Luke 2, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased or on whom his favor rests. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. A revolution begins with hope. When it is fulfilled, it produces peace. Now, peace is not just the absence of bullets. Peace is not just the absence of a fight. What we're talking about is peace of soul and spirit, which produces peace of mind. Now, having peace does not mean that we're not concerned about things. Having peace does not mean that we don't have trouble. It doesn't even mean that we don't ever worry about some things because that's who we are. But having peace means we recognize the hope that comes through Christ. And that is what we are depending on. The prophet Isaiah predicted that in chapter 9 verse 7 about the peace of Christ. And this might be the greatest reason for you to pursue the peace of Christ. Because true peace removes fear. True peace that comes through Christ removes fear. When we have peace, the fear goes away. Not necessarily the concern, not all the worries, but the fear because we know in whom we believe and where our hope lies. And all of it goes back to that Prince of Peace. The prophet uh, Micah said in chapter 5, verse 5, in talking about Christ coming as the Messiah, he said, and he shall be their peace. Peace does not come in treaties. Peace does not come by laws. Peace comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For you see, the peace of Christ cannot be achieved or worked out on our own. No amount of self-will brings peace. It is only achieved through Christ and with those on whom his favor or pleasure rests or resides. Now, that passage in Luke chapter 2 is, is one that gets mentioned a lot in the Christmas story, and rightfully so, where the angels come, and the first people on earth, outside of Joseph and Mary, who hear about the birth of Christ are the shepherds. When I go through the characters of Christmas, the shepherds are my favorite. The reason is they represent all of us. See, shepherds were not thought of highly. Shepherds did not have status. They weren't allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Shepherds were the outcasts. Now, some of it's understandable. I mean, from a practical standpoint, shepherds live with sheep. I don't know if you've been around sheep, but sheep smell. 
I think it was Philip Keller that wrote a book a number of years ago that says they smell like sheep, saying that if we're truly shepherds, if we're truly working what God has called us to, we ought to smell like sheep. Jesus, being the good shepherd, understood that. And this was who got the first message. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, I was always bothered by this passage when it was read in the King James Version. Because when the angel spoke to the shepherds, and it said that they were filled with great fear, they were fearful, it was translated and said that they were sore afraid. I thought, man, that's a lot of fear if it makes you sore. I didn't understand what that meant. Just the word sore meant I'm sore. And to be so afraid you're sore, but that's not a bad picture. Because when fear dominates, nothing else works. When fear dominates, we are weary because of the fear. When fear dominates, there is no peace. You see, for those who are fearful, they don't need to become unafraid. They need peace. And then the fear goes. Concern? Oh, we still have it. And I'm not just renaming the same feeling. There's a difference between me being concerned about something and afraid of it. There's an awful lot in our world that by human standards we have to be fearful of. But fear cannot determine what we do and who we are. Fear cannot dominate. It cannot control what we do. We need the true peace of Jesus Christ that removes fear. So how does this revolution and a revolution of peace take place? First of all, a revolution of peace requires a personal relationship with Christ. It requires a personal, individual, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says, The glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased or among those on whom his favor rests. Have you ever thought through that? I mean, who has the favor of God? It's those who are in relationship with him. So when it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he has a personal relationship. We don't serve a God who looks at us in mass. We serve a God who looks at us individually. And in fact, he knows us by name. I love this saying that talks about that Satan knows us by name, but he calls us by our sin and our fear. Jesus knows our sin and our fears, but he calls us by name. Because he desires that relationship. Personal. In an impersonal world. A God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came to have a personal relationship with you. So let me just call time out for a second and simply ask, do you have 
a personal relationship with Jesus. If you do, awesome. It's to be celebrated. It is to provide hope and peace. It is to be shared. But if you don't, you can. If you say yes. You can if you simply say, here I am, Lord. Take me. Because he has done all of this for you. For me. By name. You see, without the personal relationship, there is no real peace. That's what concerns me in our culture, especially in the United States right now. There's this growing trend where people will say, religion I, I, I don't like and the church I don't trust. But Jesus, he's a good dude. Kyle Eidelman calls that being a fan instead of a follower. I call it the thumbs up group. God? Yeah. Jesus? Yeah. Transformation? No. Relationship? No. I just want to cheer for him. I watched a lot of football yesterday. Contrary to what my wife thinks, it wasn't all day. I napped also. But what I noticed was there were thousands more people cheering than playing. Say, well, of course, you can only have 11 on each side at a time. Only 22 can be playing at any one time. I know, but as Bud Wilkinson, an award-winning coach from Oklahoma many years ago, said, the problem with the football game is that there are 22 on the field who desperately need rest, and there are 30, 40, 50, 70,000 in the stands who desperately need some exercise. I think the culture of the church has developed that. The culture of those who say, yay God, thumbs up, desperately need the relationship. But instead, they're sitting in the stands cheering when something they like happens. What we're talking about is having a personal relationship with Christ, not one dependent on your parents or grandparents, not one dependent on your spouse or your children, but in your personal relationship, because without it, there is no real peace. But with it, <laughs> you have peace. With it, there is hope, and they both become tangible. You can Feel them. You can live in them. You see, with that personal relationship, peace can be seen in us. And it can be shared with others. It is possible to pass the peace. And that's a phrase that gets used in more liturgical churches of passing the peace. We can do that in our daily lives. Aren't there certain people in your life that when they come around, you just kind of take a sigh and you just feel more peaceful? I tell the story often, and if I've told it 
before. I'm not going to apologize because it's worth it. <laughs> Her name was Elizabeth, the very first church where I was a lead pastor and that little congregation. And as we started, there were no kids or babies. And as we began to pray and reach out and God began to bless and the church began to grow, the nursery started to get full and we need some workers and we made a plea for that one time. And Elizabeth, who was in her 80s at that time and very frail, came up to me and said, Pastor, I'd like to work in the nursery. And I said, oh, bless your heart, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, she can barely stand. How could she help in the nursery? And finally... We made the arrangements so that she could go in. We had a couple of other capable, my quotes, workers. Elizabeth sat in the rocker and they would hand her babies. Took one week and those workers came out and said, from now on, always schedule me with Elizabeth. I said, why? They said, when she's in there or near those kids, they just all calm down. They said, I'll work with her anytime. What was interesting, for the next five years, she worked regularly in the nursery. The Lord called us. We moved to a different place. A few years later, I checked back. Elizabeth was still going and she was still in the nursery. I think she retired out of the nursery at age 96. There was just this peace in that room. I thought about Elizabeth in preparing this message. I thought, Lord, that's really how we should be, isn't it? That where we enter, people should sense a peace. Not chaos, a peace. I ask at the end of the message, what characterizes your life most lately? Peace or chaos? I'm asking you that question because the Lord asked it of me and I didn't enjoy it, so I'm asking you. Which has characterized your life most lately? Peace or chaos? Our world is literally dying for those of us who know the peace of Christ to live it to make a difference in our world. A revolution, if you will. So a revolution requires a personal relationship with Christ. A revolution of peace also requires us to live in peace. Get this. With each other. I love the thought of living at peace. But I'm not sure I trust you. Isn't that how we often feel? It's like, yeah, okay, I, can't, I think I can do it. But you don't know who I live with. Oh, yeah, 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 I think I can do it. You don't know who I work with. I can do it, but Christmas is coming up and we get together with the family and oh, my. <laughs> you had faces come to your mind right then, didn't you? 
This is where I wish this was cartoon time, and above your head, those little bubbles would pop up because I could almost see it. God, yeah, I might be able to live at peace, but you don't know where I work. But you see, if it's true peace, we've been called to live in peace with each other. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We should live in it and it has to start in our one another's. Imagine the revolution in our relationships that will come from living in peace. Imagine your least peaceful relationship right now and how different life would be if just that relationship began to live in peace. Now, it's really easy to sit back and go, okay, if they will, I will. Sorry, it's not how it works. I wish it did, personally. But how it actually works is I choose as a follower of Jesus Christ to live in peace as far as it depends on me with everyone. Agree? No. But I can still live in peace. Even in chaos, I can live in peace even when I recognize difficult things. But the revolution would be extraordinary if we chose to live in peace with those closest to us. If we chose to determine to live in peace with all the one another's in our life. I pondered this question this week. Which comes first, peace or healing? Which comes first, the healing or the peace in our relationships? I can promise this. A revolution of peace will bring healing. If that means peace comes first, okay, because I'm not really sure. But I do know that when there is peace, healing begins. And many of us have a relationship or 12 that need healing. So how do we really make this thing a revolution? A change, something extraordinary, something that is noticeable. Well, first of all, a revolution of peace requires, make sure you understand that word, requires us to humble ourselves. The angel said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Pleased. 
peace to those on whom his favor rests. That is humbling. And the first announcement came to the shepherds to show us humility. Jesus was born in a feeding trough for the animals, in a barn, stable, whatever you want to call it. Not a sterile environment by any means. Because we don't live in sterile environments relationally. We need to humble ourselves and recognize our part. And that if there's to be peace, we must choose it. Not wait for the other. If there's going to be a revolution of peace, the peace of Christ through the hope of Christ, then it requires us to choose peace daily. I don't think this is one of those things you could determine right now, pray about it, and then not have to think about it anymore. The reason I don't think it works is we live among people. Right? Now, before you get a little high and mighty thinking about that and going, yeah, if it weren't for them, you realize the people beside you are thinking that about you. You're there, one another. Oh, the truth sometimes is painful. <laughs> now, imagine, you see, I'm standing up here and even as I prepared this and picturing all of you in making that statement, I'm going, that means every one of you are going, yeah, if it weren't for him, this would be easy. We got to humble ourselves and then daily, it probably ought to be part of our morning ritual before we brush our teeth. Lord, I want to live in your peace today. As we look at our schedules and our calendars, Lord, as I go to this, as this happens, as I meet with this person, as I do this, I, I want to live in your peace. It's a choice. And we need to choose it daily if we're to have a revolution. And then lastly, a revolution of peace through the hope of Jesus Christ requires us to depend, big word, on the power of God daily. The power of his Holy Spirit that he gave to us. We must depend on it, not lean on it. There's a difference. But to be totally dependent on it. I've shared with you that I'm going to have to have a hip replacement at the end of the month and yada, yada. <laughs> the part that scares me the most is not the surgery. The part that scares me the most is not the rehab. The part that scares me the most is I'm going to have to be dependent on some things and some people other than me at first. They're telling me I'm going to have to walk behind a thing for a while and lean on it. They're telling me there's going to have to be somebody with me for a while just to stand up and sit down. 
And I'll confess, I don't like the thought of that. But they said, the success going forward depends on me depending on the apparatuses and the people. How much more do I and you need to depend on the power of God through his Holy Spirit to live in peace? You see, you and I are living testimonies that we can't do it on our own, right? That's why when I said something about (laughs) the one another and being at peace with everyone that we're in contact with, you had faces pop up. (laughs) We can't do this on our own. What a revolution it would be if instead of, yea, God, we said, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Every day, I need you. Every breath, if I'm going to live in the peace that you have offered and provided. In your life recently, is it characterized more by peace or chaos? Maybe the better way to ask that is, if we could interview those closest to you and ask them that question, would they say you are more peaceful or chaotic lately? I I don't mean busy schedules. I mean our spirit and our relationships. A revolution at Christmas Because of the gift we've been given, the hope we have, and the peace that we can live in. Let's give it a shot. All we have to lose is our fear. All we have to lose is some chaos in our soul. All we have to gain is peace and relationships that are healed. Jesus, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you for providing exactly what I need. Though it's not always what I want. Thank you, Lord, for showing the way for peace. You lived in peace among threats. You lived in peace even on the cross. Oh, Lord. Give me the courage to depend on you totally. To be in peace and to live there. To live in peace with one another. To show your peace. Lord, help me to be a lot more like Elizabeth and a lot less like Dennis. Help me to be a lot more like you so that others can tangibly tell the difference that you make in my life because they can see and feel the peace that you have given. Lord, give us the courage to make this a revolution.
in Jesus' precious, powerful, and personal name, I ask these things. Amen.